Listener supported. WNYC Studios. From WNYC Studios, I'm Brian Lehrer. This is my daily politics podcast. It's Wednesday, November 22nd. One piece of news you may have missed over last weekend came from Argentina, which held its presidential elections over the weekend. While we know we're a globally interconnected ecosystem, it's still hard to really pay attention to every country and sometimes to grasp the significance of an election, even for us, that feels very far away. But is it really that far away? You know, one interesting thing about how globally interconnected we are is how much Argentina's election, its characters, public opinion, the country's struggles, offers a window into our past and maybe our future in this country. While reading profiles of the boisterous television personality turned Argentinian president-elect, Javier Millet, a self-described anarcho-capitalist who blames the political caste, as he puts it, for the country's financial issues, they have crazy inflation there, Um, and expressed a desire to what he called blow up the central bank, he didn't mean it literally, and claimed election fraud during the election season, just in case he lost, sound familiar? Can't help but make comparisons to drain the swamp and stolen election and all of that. Now, running against him was a professional politico, someone who had been active in politics for decades in Argentina with clear long-term presidential aspirations. And uh, that was Sergio Massa Massa of the long-empowered Peronist Coalition, who serves as Minister of the Economy. And as I was indicating, that economy is marred by triple-digit inflation, so not the best resume point at this time. As Economy Minister, Massa is the leader of the central bank that Malay wants to smash like the metaphorical piñata he destroyed on television. Maybe you saw it. Massa is the political cast Malay points fingers at, and he beat him. Far right versus center, whatever, a troubled economy, eccentric candidate versus your typical suit and tie. Some voters who hold their noses while they vote in fear for more of the same and those who take a chance on something different for better or for worse. So let's take a closer look at who Javier Millet is, his rise to power, his policy aspirations, what led 56 percent of voting Argentinians to take a chance on him and the parallels and even implications for this country. President Trump did praise the election result. Joining us now is Anna Lankas, Latin America correspondent for The Economist. She's written a number of profiles of Javier Millet over the last few years and interviewed him one-on-one a few months before the election. Anna, thanks for joining us. Welcome to WNYC. Thanks very much for having me, Brian. And thank you for joining us all the way from Buenos Aires. Sounds like we have a really good connection. Uh, And listeners, we can open this up for you too. Anybody listening right now with connections to Argentina or in Argentina, how are you reacting to this election result? How did you or anyone in your family or any of your friends vote? 212-433-WNYC. Anyone want to chime in regarding the conditions that led to this result or your hopes or your fears? for what a Malay presidency uh, will do and any questions or comments or stories that related to what might happen next in this country. 212-433-WNYC, 
9692. Um, so, Anna, let me make here, uh, start here by making a connection or asking you if there's a connection worth making, because I made a bunch of comparisons in the intro between Argentina's election and the election of former President Trump back in 2016, plus what we're already seeing people campaign on for next year, which will likely shake out to be Trump versus Biden. Do you see merit in that comparison, or is it just too different a country? So there's definitely some merit. Trump and Millet are similar insofar as they're these loud outsiders with wild hair who use incendiary language to basically appeal to people who feel left behind. They also both blame the political establishment for their country's problems. Like you mentioned, Trump talks about the swamp. Millet talks about the caste. And they both sow doubt about their country's electoral institutions ahead of the presidential elections. But I think there are some really important differences between Millet and Trump. First, I don't think Trump has like ever read a book in his life and he doesn't really believe in anything but himself. Like he doesn't subscribe to an ideology. He's more of like an opportunist who sees the moment to become the world's most powerful man. Millet, in contrast, he really does believe in something. He was an economist for a long time and an economics professor, and he subscribes to an obscure strand of right-wing libertarianism known as anarcho-capitalism. So Millet is more of an ideologue than an opportunist. And second, I think the context of the election is completely different. So Trump came to power in part because Hillary Clinton represented the establishment. And now he's probably going to run against Biden and say, you know, Biden's also part of the establishment and, oh, he's ruined the economy or whatever. That's like not entirely true. Whereas in Argentina, it really is. This is one of the world's worst managed economies. And a single movement called Peronism has been in power for most of the past 40 years and is currently in power. So you and listeners will remember how hard things were in the U.S. when annual inflation hit a peak of like 9% last year. Mm -hmm. Well, here in Argentina, annual inflation is 150%. So in the U.S., you basically have like a demagogue who's eaten up the Republican Party running against Biden, who represents, you know, a fairly reasonable party with problems. But in Argentina, you had Millet on the one hand who, yes, he's pretty wild. But on the other side, he was running against the current economy minister, like you said, who is partly responsible for 150 percent inflation and has helped run the economy into the ground. So I think voters are fed up in a way that I don't think is comparable to the U.S. And Millet is going to inherit a far bigger mess than Trump ever did. I want you to talk about this term that Millet uses to describe himself. And you just said it too anarcho-capitalist, so anarchy and capitalism, broaden our American political imaginations. What does this mean, and is he intent on running the country under this ideology? Um, so anarcho-capitalism is a theory that was actually developed in the U.S. Um, by a man named Murray Rothbart, and basically it holds that the state is a criminal organization because it funds itself through taxes that most people don't pay voluntarily, and it has the monopoly on force, like it controls the army and the police. And so Rothbard considered the state to be morally evil. 
And instead, in an anarcho-capitalist world, the state would cease to exist and all of its provisions, including education, healthcare, environmental protection and building roads, would basically be supplied through voluntary contracts between individuals. It's like a, an, a conception of society governed by a super, super free market. Now, obviously, Millet ran to be the head of a state, so he has to be more pragmatic than just like he's not going to try to abolish the state. So he says he believes in anarcho-capitalism philosophically, but pragmatically, he thinks the state should be cut down to the smallest possible size and that most of its functions should be taken over by the private sector. So that's what he's going to try to do. Let's take a phone call. Pedro in Bergen County. You're on WNYC. Hello, Pedro. Oh, uh, hi, Brian. Hi, Anna. Thank you so much for uh, taking my call. I just wanted to bring, a, you know, I'm an Argentine, um, and I just wanted to bring a couple of points that are not being mentioned by uh, your guest. Um, and one mainly is corruption, and because not everything can be explained, certainly it cannot be explained on economic terms, but uh, the corruption of the Peronist Party of the last 40 years, and I'm no Millet uh, supporter, by the way, uh, but the corruption of the last 40 years has been so rampant with you know, very, very uh, uh, recent scandals uh, going on. I think people have just, uh, you know, culturally tired, wanted to change, wanted something else. Uh, it would have been insane for uh, for the population to continue with a uh, with a party and uh, and uh, an administration that has you know turned so many Argentines into poverty, 140 percent a year in inflation. So even though people might not be uh, totally supportive or partly supportive even of uh, Millet, have chosen him as an alternative to the disastrous management that um, uh, the uh, the country has suffered uh, for the last 40 years. So to me, it's a kind of uh, relief, and I'm happy that uh, this incredible democratic election with a, uh, was not mentioned. We're close to an 80% uh, participation wow. uh, has taken place. Yes, that's tremendous. I mean, that's double the amount of what we have here in the U.S. So that speaks well for uh, Argentine democracy. And finally, the, 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 what I want to mention is that Congress will be very divided. So it's not a green light to Millet. Congress uh, will be divided approximately in three-thirds because Millet, being an outsider, had to rely on Macri's political structure, uh, which therefore means that anything he wants to go through, you know, the, you know abortion uh, rights were granted to women, uh, a couple of years ago after a long struggle. And Millet, some of them have said, oh, we want to overturn. That's not going to be easy for them to do. And uh, finally, um, uh, the, the, the participation of youth, that has been tremendous. Millet has been put into power by these uh, youngsters, you know, kids between uh, 18 and 25. I mean, it's extraordinary and of all kinds of uh, uh, social classes. So it's a very, um, it's a fantastic phenomenon. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy and relieved. But uh, thank you so much. Pedro, thank, thank you, you very much. 
Thank you, Pedro. You're totally right. And I was hoping we would come to many of these topics um, later in the interview, but I'm happy to go into them now. So I think one thing Pedro mentions that's really important is that Millet has this narrative that the reason Argentina is a mess is because there's this political elite that steals from hardworking Argentines. And a lot of people have reasons to believe that. So, for example, last December, the current vice president was convicted for her role in a $1 billion corruption campaign case. And in September, just now, the mayor of a poor town, Martin Sauralde, had to resign after an escort published photos of them together on a luxury yacht with Louis Vuitton handbags. This kind of thing happens way too often in Argentine politics. And so it really led people to be totally fed up. So I think Millet's voter base, his hard voter base, comes from those kinds of people who are really fed up with corruption and economic mismanagement, and also from young men under the age of 30. Every poll shows that Millet's greatest support comes from young men under the age of 30. And I think one of the important reasons that that's the case is that for 16 of the last 20 years in Argentina, a left-wing populist movement called Kirchnerism, which was led by the current vice president who was convicted for her role in that corruption case, has dominated the scene. So if you're in your 20s, your early 20s, um, you have grown up under that movement. And so for a lot of people in their early 20s, this is all they've ever known, and they're sick of it. So they really want to change. Peter in Great Neck with ties to Argentina and Chile. He says, Peter, you're on WNYC. Hello. Thank you for taking my call. Um, you know, as I've been listening to this conversation, uh, something I didn't mention to the screener was that I think that this situation is probably has very little to do with, as your, your guest said, anything to do with Trump or any good parallels with Trump. But this is more, much more of a situation with Greece which need to get back onto sound economic footing, needed a strict austerity budget. I mean, Argentina's problems go so far back. Uh, we might even be looking at something which is closer to Weimar Germany, and we all know where that went. But the thing is, uh, with Malay being a self-described libertarian, uh, if he's extreme in anything, he's an extreme defender of liberty. So, like, I don't think we should be worried about cults of personality or anything that's extremist, except for a need to get an economy which is in shambles and has potential back on, on track. Peter, thank you very much. Well, let's end on something that, that plays off that call, Anna. And I, I want to ask you if you think it's a simple and straightforward as that caller laid it out. I mean, one of the reasons that Millet is being compared to Trump is that some people see him as having authoritarian tendencies, like, for example, claiming that there was election fraud in advance of the election, so he seemed to be setting up a big lie, election is rigged, uh, narrative if he lost, sounds very familiar. And the previous caller mentioned the 80% turnout rate. So democracy is alive and well in Argentina, he said. Um, and yet, with Trump giving him an explicit backing after this election, and with other things that he's done, like um, the, the potential rigged election lie, people are wondering, well, is he going to become the latest authoritarian wannabe in the country in the world 
who might actually start to take down democratic institutions for his own power? That's a really good question. Um, first, I just want to point out that Argentina voting is is mandatory here, not like oh. in the U.S. So uh -huh. voting is consistently much higher than in the U.S. Um, it, the, democracy here is, you know, democratic participation is very high and that's healthy, but that's important to point out. Um, whether he's going to be authoritarian, I definitely think he has some affinity with authoritarian leaders. We've already mentioned Donald Trump, but more importantly and closer to home, he's a real fan of Jair Bolsonaro, who's Brazil's former right-wing president. And oh boy. Yeah, Bolsonaro supporters attacked Congress, the Supreme Court, and government buildings in January, similar to what Trump supporters did. Um, so he doesn't, you know, hang out and affiliate himself with the world's strongest uh, democratic <laughs> defenders. Um, there is also worries about Millet's running mate. She's called Victoria Vicharuel, um, and she has minimized the crimes of Argentina's brutal military dictatorship, which governed between 1976 and 1983. She's consistently done that. So there are a lot of people. I've done many interviews with people who are really afraid that that kind of rhetoric is going to be normalized. Um, however, something that your caller, you know, the first caller mentioned was how split Congress is, which could be a block to Millet. So Millet's coalition only won around 10% of seats in the Senate and 15% of seats in the lower house. He does have some centrist allies, but it's not clear how many legislators are going to vote in favor of his proposals. And also some of the reforms he wants to make could hurt the poor and could also in the short term push up prices and increase inflation. And that could lead to big social protests. So I think Millet is going to have resistance in Congress. He doesn't have support of any of Argentina's 24 governors. So he's going to have resistance in the provinces and he's going to have resistance on the streets if he doesn't play his cards right. And all of those things might curb his, you know, worst instincts. However, I do want to point out that I interviewed him a few weeks ago and he did say that he would turn to referendums, um, referenda, <laughs> mm -hmm. if he didn't, you know, if some of his main proposals like shutting down the central bank and cutting down the state were not approved in Congress. And referenda are a classic tool for populists to kind of say that they're reaching out directly to the people because the institutions of the country are corrupt. So I think there are definitely good reasons to be a little bit afraid and to keep an eye out on what's happening in Argentina. Yeah. Quick follow-up then, in our last 30 seconds or so, why do you think Donald Trump cares enough to have come out and praised this election? Oh, gosh, that's a good question. Um, I think first he sees himself as kind of an alt-right leader and people like Millet are kind of following in his footsteps and that they copied some of his tactics. And Millet was interesting in the U.S. I mean, even Elon Musk commented on Millet's victory. Mm. So I think, you know, I think he sees maybe some parallels. <laughs> maybe he sees, you know, this is like a good news for him. Like, hey, if this guy could make an Argentina, maybe I have good chances of getting back into power. Um, yeah, next year. And there you go. Anna Lankas, Latin America correspondent for The Economist on the historic election this past weekend in Argentina and its relationship to whatever's going on in the United States. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thanks very much.
Brian Lehrer, a daily politics podcast, is an excerpt from my live daily radio show, The Brian Lehrer Show, on WNYC Radio, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern Time, if you want to listen live at WNYC.org. Thanks for listening today. Talk to you next time.